Okay. Um, so we've been talking about the four wheels of God. Anyone remember what we talked about? Probably not. So why don't you tell them? <laughs> no, what have we talked about the last couple of weeks? We were kind of interrupt. Uh, we we had to do some travel in between that. But what is the first will of God that we've been talking about? It's why we're Bueller. all in church. Bueller. Yeah, why are we in church? Because we believe in who? We believe in Jesus. That's why we're here. Okay, that's our first will, that all should know, that none should perish. Yeah. That all should know. Okay, and we talked about really what does it mean by knowing Christ? I mean, the devil knew Christ, right? But did he know him? Did he know his heart? Did he know his, his, his desire, his passions? Um, did he know what he stood for? Um, no, the devil was kind of more self-centered and looked at Jesus as the opposite of what he wanted. Um, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. Yeah, and we talked about when we say we believe in Jesus, do our lives demonstrate that? Do our actions and our choices demonstrate our belief in yeah. Christ? You know, Pastor John was talking about faith in the workplace for the last seven weeks. And that's a really good example. When we go to work, when, when we're there, do people recognize that we're, we're in Christ and Christ is in us without us even saying a word? Or are we hovering around the water coolers like everybody else, gossiping and, and complaining and moaning and groaning? I will confess I did a lot of moaning and groaning and complaining at work. Okay? I did do that. And God showed me what I was doing, and, and God helped change that. And so I, I, in order to do that, I had to change my focus. So why am I at work? And now, you know, I, I work for myself, so it's a little bit different. But, you know, Gene is in the same situation. We're all in similar situations where we have a workplace to go. And can people know that Christ is in us and we are in Christ just by the way we act? And notice, I haven't said Christ follower. I said we are in Christ and Christ is in us. Because I, I understand the use of the term Christ follower, but as we were talking about believing in Christ, it's not just enough to follow Christ. We have to truly believe what Scripture says in John 17, that He is in us, and we are in him. And if we truly embrace that, guess what? We're not actually following him. We are with him. He is in us. We are in him. Where he goes, we go. What he thinks, we think. How he feels, we feel. What we feel, he also feels. Whether that be on a street corner holding signs saying, you know, Jesus loves you. Or whether that be in our kitchen when the dinner is burnt and we were really hungry. Okay, how are we responding to that? Okay, so we've been talking about that belief and what that belief is. And, and I was really encouraged by that because that, that whole topic, what God showed us through that, helped shed new meaning on that verse in John 17 for me. Because when I would read that, it's like, okay, this is really confusing. And, it, and in part it was, 
But then I got a fuller appreciation for what it meant when Jesus said that he is in us and we are in him. Okay? So today what we're going to do is we're going to move on. We're, we're going to talk about the second of the four wills that Dr. Egerich has talked about in his book, The Four Wills of God. And that's thankfulness. First, that's, uh, blah, blah, blah. First Thessalonians 5.18 In everything... Give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Yeah, but you know what I'm just noticing? What? Okay, this is our humanness, okay? I'm on the wrong side of Ron. I usually stand on this side. <laughs> and it was throwing me off. And it sounds really stupid, but something as simple as that made a difference in where my headspace was. Yeah. And... I, I just, one of the, when we were studying for this, and mind you, when we're doing this study, um, again, we're basing it off of the four wills of God, um, but we don't just stick with the book, you know, that particular book. We we do other research as well, yeah. other Bible study with it and um, other research. But one of the things, it's a little out of turn here, we're told to give thanks in everything. Okay. Randy was just diagnosed with stage four cancer. How do we give thanks in that? You know, I have a friend that goes through a lot of, and actually her expertise is on suffering, and she knows anything major in the world, and any, you know, person that suffered, she can quote you because she knows all about suffering. And that's where her focus is, on suffering. And to try to say, you know, well, we're told to give thanks. Well, how can you give thanks with such horrible things going on? People get confused for giving thanks in everything versus giving thanks for everything. That little word, in, for, I am thankful that Randy is living in this country where he has access to some of the best medicines in the world. I'm grateful and praise God that Randy knows the Lord Jesus as his Savior, that he can call on that healing, that he can call on that comfort. I'm grateful that we have a class where we can say, hey, here's our brother and sister. They kind of need help right now. And I'm thankful that I know at least one or two people are going to send them cards. You know, that will bring comfort, that will bring encouragement. Will it change the cancer in his body? Very possibly. God can do anything. It might not. I don't know the outcome. I'm not thanking God for the cancer, but I'm thanking God in the cancer diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, that, that change of perspective, yeah. which I didn't necessarily mean to do that, but it really was throwing me off that I was on the other side of you. Okay. Well, I'm glad that just changing sides helped bring that revelation. <laughs> we'll have to do that more often. We'll just switch it up in the house and stuff like that. We'll just switch couches. We'll do everything. Nice. I do switch couches. Yeah, we do. Okay. So when we look at that, you know, uh, give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus and everything give thanks. Thanks actually comes from the Greek word eucharistio. Does that sound familiar to anybody, especially maybe if you were raised as a Roman Catholic? Eucharist. Eucharist. What is the Eucharist? 
it's what the priest gives you. It, 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 while in the Roman Catholic faith, a face in the Roman Catholic faith, they actually believe it becomes the body of Christ. Okay, and so the Eucharist is where the is where that word comes from, and and what that means is to be grateful and actively expressing gratitude toward. Now, it's not just having a, a feeling of gratitude. It's being active in making that feeling known. So, as an example, Gene does a great job of doing the laundry every week. What happens if if a partner, a spouse, a friend is in the habit of doing something for you every single week and it's routine, what ends up happening? You come to what? You come to expect it. You, you begin to potentially take it for granted. So that way when I go into the bedroom on a Sunday and it, the, the laundry hamper's overflowing, what were you doing this week? How come you didn't get my laundry how, done? Yeah, how come you didn't get my laundry done? I needed clothes for my trip. Don't you know that? Because we begin to take things for granted. What did I say to you on Friday, or maybe it was Saturday? Gene, thank you for doing my laundry. Because I never want to take for granted the routine things that Gene does around the house. She thinks me, thinks me. She thanks me for taking out the garbage. What she doesn't see is that half the time I'm pushing it down even further, trying to get more space in there so I don't have to go outside. <laughs> All right. But the thing is, when it gets to the point where it has to be taken out, I'll take it out. I'll deal with it. Okay. I just, so now you know. <laughs> but even how often do we thank our spouse for going to work? How often do we thank our spouse for their work schedule that is that is in maybe in a busy season? I'm not talking about workaholics. I'm talking about a very busy season where they're working 10, 11, 12 hours a day. I'm tired of you spending so much time away from the house where I'm just trying to provide an income. And... Do, do I like the fact that I'm working 12 hours a day? No. But I'm trying to manage this as best as I can right now, and it just happens to be a very busy season. So can we give thanks in that? And so it's an active gratitude. It's, it's being active about our things. How many of us have more than two outfits in our closet? Mm-hmm. How many of us have more than five pairs of underwear? Okay. How many of us, um, I mean, how many of us have, you know, at least five cans of food, you know, sitting in a pantry? All right. Maybe a box of cereal. Okay. How many of us have a lot more than that? How many of us have breathed today? Oh, yeah. Okay. Not um, on you, but yeah. 
How many of us drove here in a vehicle that works? Okay. Now, how many of us today have actually stopped and said, thank you, Lord, for your provision? Okay. I mean, like today, you know? Have you said, thank you, Lord, that I have, that I have enough? I mean, there's so many, and, and these are little everyday things. Pastor, pastor was talking today. Um, you know, we're we're not guaranteed. He talked about the, the the rich guy that's like, hey, I'm saving up. I've got to build more barns, and it's like, yeah, well, that's good for you because you're not going to be around to use them. You know. Um, Do we walk around with a heart of gratitude or are we complaining because we don't have enough barns to store our stuff? Or we don't have enough stuff. How many of us, when we purchased a car, brand new car, thank Jesus and thank God, thanked our Father for the opportunity to actually buy that car? Many could of have us, been a used car. Could have been a used car, but many of us may have. Three years later, man, I wish I could get a new car. This car is such a piece of garbage. Oh, it's so old now. Look at the neighbor's car. Wow. Yeah, look at the neighbor's car. Neighbor's got a Lexus. Yeah. And they got the bills to go along with the Lexus. <laughs> That's right. And I heard all the note on that Lexus. Yeah. Okay, so we our, our thankfulness can turn into discontentment really quick. And that's what we're talking about, being actively thankful. How many of us, and this is a good challenge because I, I, I will say that I have not done this, so I'll be the first to, I, I will not raise my hand in this. How many of us, last time you went grocery shopping, thank God for the opportunity just to have an abundance of food that you can buy? I'm betting almost zero did that and yet, let's go into some of the places in third world, whether it be Latin America or whether it be Africa or, or some third world country where people literally don't even have a store they can go to to buy that food. When we went, when I went to Bulgaria um, working with the gypsies, um, there was a house there and the house used to have furniture and it used to have a floor. Um, what happens is when they can get the materials they built that but during the winter they needed to break all their furniture to be able to burn it to be able to get heat okay and I mean the floor was I mean there was no foundation I mean this was this was just a building that was built on the dirt and they put a wood floor on there and then the mattresses would go on the wood floor um, now the mattresses are great right down on the dirt um, because they had to burn the floor to keep the heat Okay. And I'm not talking that this is, you know, 25 years ago. This was, you know, four or five years ago. All right. And the, the some of the 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 gypsies that we were working with, um, they'd just come back from foraging in the forest for wild mushrooms because that was their sustenance. You guys even go out in your backyard and look for my, you know, you know, it's it's one of the, and again, I'm kind of not going off our order, but you can flow with me. One of the 
best insights, um, which didn't come from Emerson, and I don't remember the author. I apologize for that. But he said, which I'm going to skip around. The verse was, um, no, um, where's the one about the seven? Um, oh, it's right up front. No, that's a ten. The seven, abstain from. Oh, I know what you're talking. I'm about. sorry. I'm trying to find the verse. I apologize, but it's. It's in here. It's in here. But there is a verse that talks about... Ephesians 5, 3 through 4, right there. There you go. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes. There's six six sins that were cited in those two verses. But instead be thankful. Instead be thankful. Now why do you think why do you think Paul wrote that? Because here's what we learn in a church. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Uh, you have to be more giving. You have to be, and and you know some of these are are, you know you you have to abstain from this. You you can't watch this. You can't do this. Don't do you this. Can't don't do, do this. Don't do that. Don't do that. All, don't all do these that. rules for keeping that. So so and those are good barriers. I mean I'm not saying those are bad because we have to set up boundaries. We have to set up barriers to protect ourselves. But have we ever looked at that verse and saw how thankfulness could be a barrier to all that stuff? Because that's what that verse is saying. If you have a thankful heart, okay, and you're thankful for what you have even in your lack, are you going to be greedy? Thank you, Lord, that you've given me my daily bread. I'm not sure yet where tomorrow's bread is coming from, but I thank you, Lord. Pastor talked today about Grandpa, Opa. Yeah. Um, his Opa, German immigrant, grew up during the Depression, all right? And he talked about the Protestant work ethic, which is work, 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 save, more save, and then die so that your savings can go over to someone else. So he needed that security. In a sense, that's greed. I want more to make my life secure because I'm not necessarily going to be trusting in the Lord to provide. Now, there's nothing wrong with saving. Don't get me wrong there. All right? There's nothing wrong with saving. There's nothing wrong with working hard. There's nothing wrong with earning money. But if your whole point is to save money for security, that's greedy. That's self-centered. That's not trusting the Lord and being thankful for the Lord for what he provides. And it's not just being thankful because we can say we're thankful, but there's a difference between 
being thankful and expressing thankfulness. And that's what we're trying to demonstrate too, is it's important not just to, I, I do, I feel thankful. How often do I express that gratitude? Maybe not, uh, certainly not as much as I, I probably should. How many of us, our parents, don't raise your hand, who have kids that don't express thanks enough, but say that they're thankful? When we're in that situation, I wonder how God feels. I wonder how Jesus felt when the ten lepers... And, you know, he said, go to the priests and, and the ten lepers were cleansed. And one came back, fell on his knees and thanked Jesus. How do you think Jesus felt when that, when that one came to him? It's like, that's awesome, right? Here's the question Jesus asked, where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? Do you think they were thankful that they were cleansed? Yeah, I bet they were. And yet Jesus asked, where are they? We can be thankful and still falling short of really recognizing, because when, when we talk about thankfulness and when we talk about gratitude, there's a person we need to be focusing on. Oftentimes we focus on the thing as opposed to the giver of that gift. In James, it talks about every per good and perfect gift comes from above. What's a good and perfect gift? Eternal life. Eternal life. What else? I think my husband. And trust me, he's not perfect, and I'm not perfect either. But what he has done for me, and how our life together, and the different ups and downs, um, the times when we've been sandpaper to each other, has helped to mold me into who I am today, which I think is a better version of who I was back then. I think my husband is part of that good and perfect gift. I think this building is part of that good and perfect gift. The fact that this building was able to provide shelter and cover mm -hmm. it for over 400, 500 people, you know, this past week. Right. All right. That's a godsend. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of people that were sleeping in cars at BART when it was in the 40s and 50s. <clears throat> okay. They had a building here that was able to provide food. That's a good and perfect gift. Yeah. And so when we look at that, and when we look at actively giving thanks, and, and again, you know, we're talking about, and going back to our definitions, we talked about what thanks is. But what's, what does everything mean? Well, I looked it up in the Greek, and it's ironic, because in the Greek it means the same thing as it means in English. Every stinking thing. All things. Whatever, wherever, house, howsoever, however you want to put it. Giving thanks in everything means giving thanks. And like Gene said, in everything, not for everything, in everything. There's a huge difference. If I lose my job because I have a corrupt boss, I'm not going to thank God 
for the fact that I lost my job. But I am going to give thanks in that situation to God because I know he's ultimately the provider anyway. My provider was not a corrupt boss. It was the God. It, it was God himself. And so when we change that mindset, we're not giving thanks for evil. But guess what? Evil is going to hit us and we need to give thanks in that anyway. That's what scripture says. There's no exceptions there. I, and you know what? I'm glad there's not. You know, because if there were, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be. Everybody could define for themselves what those exceptions were. Or a, any interpretation of those exceptions. Like they do anyway. They, they do. And, and we're finding that. How many people are having trouble giving thanks for living in this country when, when Donald Trump is our president? There's a lot of people. Politics aside, give thanks in everything. Period. That's what scripture says. Are we doing that? Are we doing that on a closer, in, in, more intimate relationship in our, in our relationships? Joe? I think the other thing that thankfulness does is thankfulness is really meant to change the behavior. Yeah. It's really meant to change your behavior because when you have, as we like to say, the attitude of gratitude, right? Yeah. Then your behavior changes. You become more Christ like in any situation when you have that gratitude. Yeah, I think, and, and that's one of the challenges in this culture. Mm -hmm. I. I have made jokes and I've repented of making those jokes with respect to millennials and entitlement and everything else. You know why? Because this, this entire country is a country of entitled people. We have taken for granted, granted, not granite. We have taken for granted, but our hearts have become granite as, as a result of that, I think. We've taken for granted our ability to go to work, to go to the store, to buy food, to buy water, to buy whatever we need, to get whatever we need, to satisfy our, our needs and our wants and our desires. We, we have taken for granted the opportunity to get online, order from Amazon without ever having to leave from our couch. The next treadmill that's going to sit in our office and go, and go unused because we don't want to get up from our couch. <laughs> We've taken it for granted that we can do all this stuff. And what happens when we take things for granted? We become less thankful. We become more entitled. We take for granted that our spouse was going to be there tomorrow. Yeah. We take for granted that our kids are going to be healthy. We take for granted, you know, it's, it's the daily life. And we take for granted. Now I can't say the word right. <laughs> we take God and we we know he's our provider we know he's our provider and we stop yelling at him or we start yelling at him when he doesn't provide the way that we want him to you know and it's like, but, you know, God, you've been giving me this $400 check every single month, and now I'm not getting it. What's up with that? You know? Like, God is supposed to keep doing that for us. 
Now, did we thank him every week that we got that $400 check? Nope. <laughs> did we start getting angry and a little bit embittered because we stopped getting the check? Yep. One of the most tragic things that we've seen, Joe and Leona, David and Ann have seen, one of the most tragic things that we've seen is couples who are actively engaged in, and we're, we are so thankful for the pre-marrieds in this class because it's like they're actively engaged, they're being thankful, they're courting one another, they're putting their best foot forward, right? Then what happens when people say, I do? The other foot comes forward. Oh, come on. Now you get to see the real stuff. You get to see the underwear on the floor. You get to see the microwave. That's a disaster. It doesn't just happen at work. It happens at home. Can you please put a cover on that thing to prevent the spatter or at least clean up after that? Okay. But here's what ends up happening. We laugh about it. What There's a lot of work that goes in with a pre-married couple. We are on top of our game all the time. I, I admit it. I was. All right. Okay, now I can now I can relax. Really? Why? Why can I now relax now that I said I do? Because she what? There you go. Because she's Jean stuck with me. We may not say that, but our actions are clearly demonstrating that. We may not be actively thinking that, but subconsciously we believe it. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Well, that. it's kind of like, you know, when I was a teen, okay, it's my room. Why do I have to put my clothes in the, you know, I'll get them, you know, I'll get them. They're all on the floor and I'll figure it out, right? You know, it's, I don't feel like putting them in the sink right now. But if I go over to someone's house, oh, would you like me to help you clean up the dishes? Right? I don't feel like cleaning up the dishes. My kids can do that. Ron can do that. I don't want to clean up the dishes at my house. I'm just going to leave it there. And I'm not saying that I do that. But I know what we do at home isn't necessarily what we would do. You know, I still remember as a young, um, as a young bride, people are coming over. Okay, oh my gosh, if anyone was coming over, you know, every single inch of the house got scrubbed because they may look underneath the bathroom sink, right? Mm -hmm. So you had to make sure that was clean and everything was all perfect, you know, because I needed to present as, you know, the perfect hostess, all right? Okay, exactly. You know what? If you guys came over to my house, yeah, I might have to clean all the garbage off my kitchen table in order for us to sit and eat. That's okay. I've got a nice buffet. I just throw it on there. All right. I don't care as much anymore because I realize my house is 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 to a good standard as far as health. You know. As to a um, good standard as far as cleanliness, is it perfect? No, but it's to a good. But standard. it used to be everything had to get dusted. Everything had to you know right before people came, and I got so anxious and so um, concerned about everything being perfect. I couldn't sit down and enjoy the relationship, and I wasn't thankful. For anything because I was too darn exhausted and burdened by all the work that I had to put into it so what which is the same thing that's happened in relationships I have to put up too much work to look good okay 
I'm comfortable now. Am I supposed to make sure that I look good for you every day? Can I just go around in a torn t-shirt? Yep. Here's the thing though. We we've there there's one thing about being comfortable in terms of dress or something like that, but there's a completely different thing in terms of being being comfortable and being routine in relationship building. Because here's what ends up happening. We are actively building a relationship when we're courting before we're married. But then, when, okay, well, I gotcha. Okay, now, now we settle into a routine of what it's like to be a husband and a wife. Who set that routine? Who set that example? Was it your parents? Your divorced parents? Maybe, huh? Was it your parents who weren't in Christ and Christ was not in them? Was it those parents or was it another set of parents you looked at? Or was it the mask that they portrayed and not who they really were? You know, Gene and I actively work on this relationship. Joe and Leona actively work on their relationship. David and Ann actively work on their relationship. You know how I know that? Well, one, they're here even when they're teachers and they're, they still show up. We still show up. Because we know, we've seen, well, you know, uh, I don't know how we got here. We, we have two jobs. We have two cars. We have a really nice house and we have three kids. Everything's looking right. But there's so much distance between us. I don't even know that person anymore. There's a reason divorce occurs at seven years. There's a the reason divorce occurs during empty nest syndrome. There's a reason years. for that, huh? At 20, 25 years. Yeah, at 20, 20. There's a reason for that. Because we have worked so hard at accomplishing a task that we have forgot to be thankful for one another in relationship. And we haven't expressed that well enough. Not just to each other, but also to God. Uh-huh. All right. I mean, if you want to stop sexual addiction, sexual immorality, be thankful for the spouse that God gave you. Yeah. And as we're expressing that thanks, and as we're pursuing thankfulness, guess what you're not thinking about? That stuff. You don't have to work so hard at not doing something when you are actively doing something for God and expressing thankfulness. Thank you, God, for Jane, you know, and, and expressing that thanks. All of a sudden, all the other stuff starts to fall off. Joe? Um, I like where you guys are going. And um, uh, I had a friend at work that um, had the perfect life on the outside. They had the house in Millbrae. They went skiing every winter. Had two sons who graduated from college. He came home one day. His wife of 25 years wrote him a Dear Tom letter and left. Wow. And he was heartbroken because he couldn't understand what happened. And what happened was he spent 25 years, they spent 25 years of wearing a mask. Mm -hmm. Right? So they had the Christmas, the perfect Christmas party. The house outside looked so beautiful at Christmas. They had all, and everybody on the outside looked and went, wow. That's a family that I want. And it was, it all happened 
because we weren't able to work on the relationship. Right. And that's what we were struggling with, working on that relationship. Because again, we get married, one of the things we say, we say, oh, well, now I can be myself. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, God put us in that marriage so we didn't, we wouldn't be ourselves. Right. We make us a new version yeah. of ourselves. Right. Yeah. Marriage is not there to make us happy, it's there to make us holy. And I really appreciate what you just said. Because if if we enter into a relationship, any relationship, whether it be, oh man, I finally got the job, now I can be myself. I finally got the promotion, now I can be myself. The, the, you know what that's revealing? It's revealing a heart issue. That, okay, I've done everything I need to do to accomplish this. I don't have to do anything more. I, I, I don't see where that is discussed in Scripture at all. And it's, Gene and I have been married 35 years. We have people coming up to us who have been married 10, have, have grown some distance between them, and, and they want a fix in a couple sessions. <laughs> you know, it's really hard to change what at that point was probably 30 to 35 years of thanklessness in a matter of two sessions. And maybe the very things that they don't like about their spouse is are those things that could have actually changed their heart so that they wouldn't be in this position. I remember a story of a, of a young couple who um, was going through some tough financial times and um, the husband was just trying his best. This is kind of, um, you know, just doing his best, trying to put food on the table and, and make things. And he actually got let go from a job. And he was didn't want to tell his wife. And he came home, and um, it's a beautiful candlelit dinner on the table. And um, he had this wonderful dinner with his wife. And, um, and the kids and the whole family had a camp out. Okay. In the living room. All right. Yep. With yeah. Coleman lanterns and everything else. Okay. Um, it wasn't so many hours later that he realized that this wonderful evening was not a romantic gesture, but rather that the electricity had been shut off. The electricity had been shut off. And the wife knew how burdened the husband was and didn't want to add that to him. So she honored him. David. Um, Ken was watching something last night, and I'm not really a big Tony Robbins fan, if you will. She was watching a seminar that he was doing, and he was talking about this very same subject. And at some point, he took the questions from the crowd. This guy stands up and kind of bears his soul. Marriage is falling apart. His wife is restricting what he can and can't do. He's in a band and he can only play once a month. And all these kinds of things. And it's really getting him down. And he doesn't know what to do. And so Tony puts him, he says, okay, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions, but answer me from your wife's perspective. Mm. 
And so he goes through this, and some of the stuff he was like, that's not how your wife would answer. So think about it again, and then re-answer the question. Um, but he challenged them. And it was on the same thing of, how do you make the other person feel? Do they feel like a priority? Do they feel like they're not taken for granted? Do they feel like they're important to you? And what was cool about the video was it showed that conversation. And he's in a room full of 1,000 people, 1,500 people. And this one guy standing up in the middle of the audience doing having this conversation with Tony Robbins. And so, but then they showed five years later. No, it was maybe six months. Was it? Yeah, like six months later. I think the first one was like six months later. And it was both of them, his wife and him, together now. And he did what Tony suggested. 90 days later. And it was. 90 days of making her point. Yeah, I think that was the challenge. So it was 90 days of, when she just spend the next 90 days of making her feel like the person she is to you. What you tell me is one thing, but I want you to make sure she feels that. Do that for 90 days. So at the end of that, they interview him six months later, and the relationship is completely turned around. And then five years later, and then 10 years later. So obviously that was an old conversation, but it's interesting to see the effects and the change in the couple after doing what you're talking about. I would take that one step further. We're a relational care. We're all about practical loving. And what that experience proves is how awesome it can change the dynamics here on Earth. If our hearts could also have that same attitude and same external expression towards God, how will that transform our relationship with Him? This left the spiritual kingdom physicality. Yeah. Again, Tony Robbins. Well, no, I mean, I, I, I understand that. that. I understand I that part. I know, it, I know what you're saying. But, but too often we're, I mean, we, it, we just deal here. It, yeah. Giving thanks is a command from Scripture. It's a command. It's not a suggestion, okay? It's a command, all right? How many of us recognize that God said, honor your mother and father, all right? You will have no other gods before me, right? How many of us can rattle off those Ten Commandments? Almost all, almost all of them, and you know, especially if you went to Sunday school, a lot. <laughs> well... And if you watch Charlton Heston and, uh, you know, uh, on Easter Sunday, right? You know, this is a command, guys. Be thankful in everything. Even the mess of a potential relationship, mm -hmm. Joe. I don't like where you're going because the Bible has no suggestions. No, there are no suggestions. no suggestions. Hey, you know, it might be a good idea if you're thankful every once in a while. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Psalm 100, verse 4. Colossians 3, 15 and 17. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And the reason God sets it up as a command is because, guess what? There can be bad consequences if we don't. 
in Romans 121, for even though they knew God, they did not give thanks. Romans 121. So they dishonored God. What else comes up from a lack of gratitude? Bitterness, complaining, and a joyless life. Hebrews 12, 15. Okay. We come a lot across a lot of couples who are bitter with their spouse. We come through with a lot of people who are bitter with their boss or complaining about Well, but boss. I mean, seriously. I mean, when I'm in the kitchen, all right, uh-huh. you're always under my foot. I'm trying to move this way. You're right there. I'm trying to help you clean, actually. Okay, but why are you always in my direction? Why are you cleaning something when I need the sink to fill something? When you need the sink to fill something? Yeah, I need to get water from the sink to make whatever I'm making. You're always there. I'm just trying to help. Well, I don't need your help, okay? Right? So easy, all right? Oh, gosh, we only have one sink in the bathroom. You always have to be brushing the teeth when I need to brush them. And I, I can't spit because your thing is going to go off before me, so i got to, okay? These are, the, these are the daily practicals of what happens in life. It's where we live, okay? Spit in the toilet. <laughs> Come on! Why do we let these little things bother us so much? You know why? Because there's something bigger that we're not addressing anymore. There's a greater distance that we're not addressing anymore. That distance, you're not the same person I married. Good, I hope not. Yeah. I don't want to be an 18-year-old anymore. Okay. 20-year-old. But how many of us get stuck in that area? Because all the things that were attractive are, are, are well, now they just make you tolerable, is, is what we've been finding. We find a lot of couples, spouses, who tolerate one another. Come on, Joe. You know, another thing that I find in couples is that subconsciously, they project on that person what they think their perfect spouse would be. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So they project that, and even though they see some flaws, right, that don't match up with their perfect person, they figure, oh, well, we'll work out that over time. Right. So they're not really they're not really venturing to look at that person for who they really are. They now start projecting what they had in their mind of this is what my perfect spouse will look like. And then so I start projecting yeah. that. And then that's where the wall hits, right? When we become ourselves and then all of a sudden, oh, wait a minute, this person is not now matching up to my Expectation. Yeah. Hey, same thing happens with the boss, with the coworker, with you know, my mailman yeah. should be like this, and my mailman's not like that. Okay. Yeah. My waitress should be like this, and all she is, you know, we don't know what went on in that waitress's life. Yeah, hey, but, but think about that, too. I mean, how many times have you gone into a place and complained about the service, right? Because the, the, the wait staff didn't do the way that you expected them or they didn't do as good of a job. Do you have any idea what went on in that person's life that day? Do you have any idea? You know, and, and we look at it just from our particular selfish perspective, saying they're not, they're not performing the way I need them to perform. Well, you don't look at the reason the wait staff are at our restaurant, we have two kinds of BLT salads. 
And yesterday a guy was like, I don't want the BLT salad. He didn't tell the server he wanted the chicken. So the server didn't make him want the chicken. And then he complains and he gets it. Oh, where's my chicken? And he didn't tell me he wants it with chicken. I can't read your mind. I don't know, but you read the one with chicken and it was like, oh, I want that. I don't know that. My job is to know the entire menu. Not to read your mind. You need to tell the person what you want. And you know, piggybacking off of what Brittany's saying, how many times I walk in a restaurant, so now we want to get uh, uh, good service, service with a smile, right? But then we treat the, wait, the, the waitress or the waiter like dirt. We treat them like they're somehow our personal slave. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, while we're, you know, while we're downgrading them and, and treating them like a slave, we want them to smile and be happy about it. We want service with a smile. I think they would like a customer with a smile. Exactly. We do that in our homes too. We do. I know for me growing up, my mom was very good about do this, do that, take that, go this, do whatever. And I grew up in a pretty dysfunctional home and I ran away at one point and came back and it was mediation. It's like one of the things that I really wanted was for my mom to say thank you. I didn't have a problem making coffee every day. I didn't have a problem making dinner every day. I didn't have a problem cleaning up the house. I had a problem feeling like a slave, being ordered to do this, that, and the other. Now think about what we do with our spouses, okay? You need to do this. You need to do that. You're not doing this. And sometimes it's, it's religious-related stuff, okay? Well, you need to be more involved at church. You need to be more involved with this. You, why don't you do things with the kids? Okay, so I'm telling him, I'm not grateful for what he has done with the kids, okay? I'm not telling him what the kids may actually be able to gain from him. I'm telling him how he should be, yeah. all right? Same thing, okay? He may need to spend more time with the kids, but me telling him he, spent, he needs to spend time with the kids doesn't appreciate or show gratitude for the many hours that he's working to try to provide for the kids. He's just missing the fact that the kids also need to have time with him. David? Uh, thinking about one thing you guys mentioned your last teaching was on perspective and our gratitude. And I was thinking of there's a story in the past of the guy on a train with his bunch of kids and his kids are yeah. just off the hook. And he's just sitting there like, oh, I'm cold. And people around are like, why is this guy letting his kids go all over the place? And the lady stands up and she rails him in front of everybody. And he just looks at her and says, well, I'm sorry. Today we buried their mother. They're a little wound up. And it changed that woman's perspective in an instant. And I think about the server or our boss or our coworker, where you don't know what's going on in their life. Mm -hmm affecting the way they're behaving. But how often do we not give that same benefit of the doubt to our spouse? Yeah. Just because we live with them doesn't mean we know everything that they're, go that they're going through. Yeah, they shared their day, but they didn't share everything. And there may be something that's eaten at them that they don't really understand or know yet, but it's causing them to affect a certain way. Yeah. So having that gratitude that you're talking about applies 
to in that way of being grateful that again not for the cancer or for the bad day but in the bad day and saying okay uh, they came home to me tonight or you know they made it home safe um, instead of getting killed in a car accident on the way home um, or you know you look at some of these things and to take ourselves out of our little shell and cocoon and broaden our horizon to how many things that didn't happen mm -hmm. to that person today. Yeah. And, and this is going to be a serious wake-up call, I think. Uh, you know, just, and I don't mean to end this class so heavy. Don't let death be the reason why all of a sudden you're thankful for someone. You know, we, we, uh, my best friend passed away 2004. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 2004. Or was it 2004, 2005? Passed away of a massive heart attack New Year's Eve. And, you know, he was in a good relationship with his wife. Was it perfect? No. Did she complain a lot? I didn't think so. He did. He did. But when he died, you heard, I shouldn't have complained as much. I shouldn't have. There's a lot of regrets that we have. When things that we've gotten taken for granted, like our car blows up on us. There's lots of things that we take for granted, like our job, that when something goes belly up in a company, we no longer have. And there are certain things that we, uh, relationships that we have that we don't give enough thanks for until actually they're gone. We have to operate differently. We can't let being taken away as a reason to finally give thanks for something. Because what does scripture say? Give thanks in everything. It's a command. Guess what God will orchestrate or allow to happen to us if we don't obey scripture? He will actually allow circumstances to get us to go to him and to make us rely on him and make us actually compel us to live as scripture would call us to live in Christ. <clears throat> So don't allow, you know, Pastor John said, don't, don't take pain away from your kids. Let them learn through pain sometimes, and sometimes we have to. Sometimes we have to learn through pain. And at the same time, I just want to encourage us this week as we close, let's be thankful and, and keep this in the forefront of our mind, not only because it's a command, but it's a life-changing paradigm because we live in a society that for the most part is not thankful at all. We live in an entitled, take-it-for-granted society that has turned our hearts into granite. We can change that. We can change a server for a day. We can change somebody, that a banker assistant on the phone, we can change their life for a day. We can do all these little things, and all it takes is a heart of gratitude to do that and expressing that gratitude. 
we can change this dynamic. We can change this relationship dynamic. Jean? I was just laughing because God reminded me, Kmart is closing. Um, and I went shopping at Kmart and I actually stopped one of the workers and I said, you know, hey, thank you for continuing to work with diligence for an organization that you know is not going to be here for very long. You know, uh, it's just one of the floor workers, stalker, and he was really good. You know, hey, can I help you find anything? You know, and I and I expressed gratitude. And it's kind of like, lady, you're weird, you know? And at the same time, it's like, you know, I recognize that what I'm doing is important because serving people is where I'm at, you know? And that blessed me as well. But do we take time to stop and thank the person that's pushing the carts? Do you know how hard that job is? Do you like going all over a parking lot trying to find carts? But have you ever thanked a person that pushes the carts for working in the 105 degree temperature, pushing those things? So Father, as we go out through this week, help us not only to have a greater desire for a heart of gratitude, but also a greater activeness in expressing that gratitude to those that are not only close to us, but Father God, those that we come into contact with, with whom we have no relationship. And to you as well. And to you as well. Help us to be really grateful and express it. And, and Holy Spirit, we ask you for that conviction when we're not being thankful, for when we're not expressing that thanks to God, for all those things, in all those things in our life, the good things as well as the bad things. Because we know your scripture is true. So whether we're in good circumstances or bad circumstances, we should be giving thanks because you are the God over all those circumstances. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Love you guys. Have a fantastic week.